Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey listeners, Jessica here. Be sure to check out new episodes of Undetermined every Tuesday for free wherever you get your podcasts. For early and ad-free listening, check out Tenderfoot Plus on Apple Podcasts. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals interviewed and participating in the show and do not represent those of Tenderfoot TV and Resonate Recordings. All individuals described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matter such as violence and graphic descriptions, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On the night of Wednesday, August 14th, 2019, two officers responded to a wellness check at the Durnings home in Lakeview. It was called in by Jessica's friend, Maria, after not hearing from her for nearly two days. The officer spoke with Jessica's husband, Justin, for about seven minutes, and upon leaving, they let him know that another squad would be coming out to file a missing persons report. Just a few hours later, around one o'clock in the morning, Thursday, August 15th, senior officer Lucretia Gantner and rookie officer Tristan Griffin arrive at the residence. This is their body cam audio, which we obtained from the family. 335 to 3rd District DIU. While Officer Griffin talks to Justin outside, Officer Gantner calls Detective Anthony Lunn from inside her police cruiser and explains the reason for being there. Hey, so we're at earlier tonight Around 10-something, a friend from out of town called and said that she hadn't been able to get a hold of her friend since Monday, I think. She's not answering her phone and all that. So an officer came out here, I think a Lakeview officer came out and did a wellness check. Well, when they did the wellness check, the husband says, no, I haven't heard from her either. Her phone's here, her purse is here, her meds are here, everything's here, but I haven't heard from her. And I don't know where she's at. And the friend that called from out of town said that she's afraid that the husband did something to her because they have a history of, I guess, domestic issues. Now, before we get into the remainder of the body cam audio, it's important that we address the weighty statement made by Maria because there is some context to it. 
had started about nine months earlier, near the end of 2020. I'll let Maria fill you in. When they came to stay in my home at Thanksgiving, my middle son is in competitive cheer, and they had a two-day competition scheduled for the end of January, early February in New Orleans. They were getting packed up, ready to leave. You know, she was like, I'm so sad, I don't wanna leave. And I was like, I know, I'm gonna miss you. And I was like, well, has a competition in New Orleans and it's a two day competition. So maybe we'll just come stay with you. She was like, yeah, of course. And you know, I mean, we had just had them in our house for three days. Of course they were gonna say yes, you know? So then just a few days before we were supposed to show up and stay at her house, I get this text from her and she says, Hey, I need to talk to you about this weekend. I'm hiding in the bathroom right now, so Justin doesn't hear me. We've been fighting, like, fighting for the past three days about everything. He's threatening to kick me out, put me in jail. He's hit me. It's bad. He told me you guys can't come or it's going to be worse for me. Lo, I'm so sorry. I know it's last minute and I feel awful. I don't know what to do. I can recommend somewhere that's reasonable and nice. The Beyond Canal. We stay there a lot. Or we used to. Though, I'm scared. Both the police body cam audio and the alleged text thread between Jessica and Maria raise a serious accusation about domestic violence regarding Justin. While I cannot speak to the accuracy of these claims, it's important to understand that Justin has never been charged with any crimes of domestic violence against Jessica. I mean, it was kind of an upsetting text to get. You know, I mean, she's putting a lot of detail in here, which is unusual. But he's threatening to kick me out with something that he did all the time. So it struck me as very odd because she had never put any kind of details about the relationship in writing like that. Later on that day, she called me and she was like, I'm so sorry. You know, maybe we can find a room for you. And I was like, it's cool. I've already booked something. And I was like, but aren't you done with this yet? Like... Are you tired? You have to be tired. Like, you're not getting any younger. This doesn't get any better. She was like, yeah, I know. And then she would just kind of change the subject. While Maria may have been shocked at the revelation, she remained fairly casual about it, giving off a certain familiarity with the situation. Turns out, at the time, she had just gotten out of a tumultuous relationship. It's a big reason why she alienated herself and lost touch with Jessica for a few years. Most of the people in her life didn't know what she was going through because, you know, you don't just tell people all your dirty laundry. So that's why I knew to be patient with her about it. It had to be the time. It had to be the exact right time to go. Maria waited as patiently as she could. And then, seven months later, the morning of Monday, August 12, 2019, just two days before police responded to the wellness check, Jessica reached out 
So I slid the phone open and put it on speakerphone. I was like, hey. She said, hey. I said, what's going on? And she was like, I just really need to get out of here. Can you come get me? I was like, well, I can't come right now. I've got to pick up the kids in like two hours. But if you're really ready to go, I could be at your house by 1030 tomorrow morning. But you got to be ready to get in my car. Like no looking back and turning back into a pillar of salt. Like you've got to be ready to go. And she said, okay. I said, well, what's going on? She was like, it's just so bad. And I was like, well, what does that mean so bad? Because I was trying to feel her out because she had been ready to leave for a long time. And she was like, it's just so bad. We're just fighting. I'll just, I'll tell you everything when you get here. I said, okay, tomorrow morning. And she was like, yeah, okay. And she was like, okay, I got to go. I think he's waking up. After their call, Maria sent a Facebook message letting her know that she was going to talk to her boyfriend about Jessica staying with them. Jessica then called Maria to let her know she was at a doctor's appointment with Grace and would have to see how things were when she got home. This call was followed by a reply from Jessica to Maria's original Facebook message. It came through at 2.43 in the afternoon. It read similar to what she had told Maria over the phone. Okay, just hang on. I don't know what's going to happen when I get home. And that was the last time I ever spoke to her. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. The day Maria had planned to pick up Jessica, August 13th, 2019, came and went without a word from her. Maria thought maybe Jessica had gone home and she and Justin patched things up, anticipating she'd hear from her at a later time. But instead, the following night, Wednesday, August 14th, 
at 9 p.m., while Maria and her boyfriend were getting ready for bed, her phone dinged. It was a message from Justin, the one Maria described before, which set off a chain of events. Here's their full exchange. Is Jess with you? Grace and I are worried. If so, that's fine. We just don't know where she is, and Grace can't handle stress like this right now. No, she's not. When was the last time you spoke to her? About noon today, and she left everything here. Keys, car, ID, money. What about her phone? Here, too. Fucking weird. Worried. She's never done this. I have no idea. Checked everything and everyone I know. Okay, well, I'm sending the police over there. Okay, you're going to freak out Grace, but... If Jonathan came home from work and all my stuff was here and the kids didn't know where I was, he'd already be talking to the police. I know how to file a missing persons report. Do you think I hurt her or something? The police can't do anything until after 24 hours. She's an adult. I'm checking hospitals and jails now. About an hour later, just after 10 p.m. Called hospitals and both jails and not any of them. Called police and missing persons. It's 24 hours after last scene to file a report. I have got to be missing something. Of course by now, you know it wouldn't end up taking an additional 24 hours. In fact, police would respond just minutes later after Maria called in for a wellness check. You heard the audio from this visit, but remember, just a couple hours later, around 1 a.m. on August 15th, a second unit would return to the home to file a missing persons report. So now that you're up to speed, let's go back to the body cam audio from that second visit, which came from responding officers Gantner and Griffin. When is the last time you saw her, sir? Uh, about 12.30. 12.30? 12.30, like, like noon? Correct, around 13.00. Okay. Um, and what was, did you guys talk to we each other then? Seated inside her cruiser, Officer Gantner plays liaison, asking Justin some questions while relaying information over the phone to Detective Anthony Lunn, who investigates missing person cases. So they talked. They talk, he said they talked around 12.30. They were talking about bills. They were talking about what they were going to do later, what they were going to have for dinner. And he said that she looked at him and said, you look tired. And he said, I am. So he went and laid down. And then he hasn't seen or heard from her since then. Well, what about, uh, there's two other people that live in the house with y'all? I'm sorry? There's two other people that live in the house with my you? My daughter and my dad. Okay, has your daughter spoken to her? No, not at all. And your dad has not spoken to her? Hadn't, hadn't seen her. Okay. Which is really, it's not bizarre for my dad. They haven't, the, the daughter. How old is your daughter? She's 15. The 15-year-old daughter and his elderly father haven't seen or spoken to her either. You saw her in person, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, he saw her in person. She was here at the house. So this, this, just so you know, this is actually my neighbor. He lives like three houses away from me. And he's a very strange... What's that? She leans back out of the cruiser to ask Justin another question. You you said you guys haven't had any recent issues, right? No, no, no recent issues. Nothing out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Just finances, back to school shit. You know, I mean... Turning back to her phone call, she gets a little more candid with Detective Lunn. Here's my concern. He 
was not even worried about this until her friend from out of state sent officers over here to look for her to make sure she was okay. Like, he's just real nonchalant, like, oh, uh, you know, have the officers come to the Polk Street side. They're, uh, they're, my, my dad and my daughter are sleeping. I don't want to wake them up. But then when we get here, he's like, do you guys need to do this in the car or do you want to come in? You can come look through the house if you want. You know, he's just being like really weird about it. Gintner tells Lund she's been trying to get in touch with Maria to no avail. She then asks her partner, Officer Griffin, to look at the house for any visible cameras, but he doesn't see any. Once more, she leans out the window to clarify something with Justin. Did she mention to you that she was going anywhere? Not a word. Does she work? No, she's on disability. Okay. That's all right. You are my neighbor. Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out what. Yeah. Um, with the light, I couldn't see you. Did, has she left like this before? No, no, never. That's what. That's. And it's not common for her to be gone like late at night. Never. No, not especially since my daughter got out of the hospital. Just soon over. Okay. Okay. Do you have uh, Do you have a picture of her? Like a current picture? Uh, I do. Okay. Can you get that in your ID, please? She asks Justin if they can come inside to get a photo of Jessica. He graciously invites them in, warning them about his dog. They make their way through the side door by the driveway where Jessica's Range Rover is parked and step into the disheveled living room. Piles of clothes are mounted on the couch and strewn across the floor just below. Next, the officers make their way to the hallway and turn left, entering the couple's bedroom. Officer Gantner pivots back to the matter at hand, this time prying a little harder. Okay, so what prompted you to say, okay, I need to report her missing? Like around 8 o'clock, mm-hmm. it was starting to get dark. Okay. What, what time did you wake up from your nap? She's from here. Uh, about 4 o'clock, she got home at 3. Okay. Uh, and kind of what stopped, right? She, uh, she woke me up with... Something I had to sign. Okay. Brainy. Okay. And uh, she's like, Dad, you were dead to the world. I'm like, yeah, I went in the room. I'm like, yeah, I was okay. exhausted. And, so you were uh, sleeping in here? And, you were sleeping in here? Right, yeah, I was sleeping okay. in here. My wife and I both sleep in here. Yeah. And, and uh, my daughter's room right on the other side. And I said, Have you seen okay. mom? Have you, you know, what's what's going on? And she goes, No. She goes, I hadn't seen her. I was like, Okay. And I know she had mentioned about going, her doctor's at Folsom, mm-hmm. but there's no RTA to get to Folsom. Mm-hmm. So immediately I thought, we're friends with him, and he's older, he's, you know, in his 60s, but his son's my age. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, she got a ride with with mm-hmm. him, because sometimes he comes into the city. I called him, no, that didn't happen. I, honestly, don't, I don't, unless there's something, when I say we, you see us for homebodies, we don't yeah. do much. If, when I say if there's something that I am absolutely oblivious to, Mm-hmm. Does she have family here? No. You see, I'm from Sierra Does Springs. she have any, like, close friends here the or anything like that? only one was the one I was telling you about that was on Facebook. I mean, I'd be more than happy to pull it up for you and show you. Has she updated anything on Facebook? No. She hasn't logged on. She hasn't changed passwords to anything, to our bank accounts, to and She handles all the fun. I mean, she still has power of attorney on me. Give me an idea. Like, here's... Justin opens the tablet to show the officers her Facebook page, and then pulls up a message from Maria that she'd sent to Jessica earlier that day, 
this should sound familiar to you. And this is the only thing that threw me was I need to talk to about everything tonight uh, when we get home from practice at one of the, her sons. Uh-huh. And my wife put, okay, hang on. But I mean, I get all this on my phone. The officers get the tablet from Justin and start looking over the messages. So what is she saying we need to talk about everything? I have no idea. I mean, the only thing I can think of was was that maybe they were planning on doing something. So I put in there, you know, I'm like, would, would you think I would hurt her or something? You know, I mean, I, the girl doesn't like me. She never has. Oh, okay, so this is y'all talking to Yeah, me. yeah, the last conversation okay. that you had, that, okay. that's me talking to her. And she she lives in Alabama? Yeah, she lives in, like, the hood in Alabama. She's got, like, a litter of kids. And uh, my wife's always been the savior, the rescuer. And it's just been a pain in the ass, man. Without any prompting, Justin randomly mentions a call he made to his attorney friend. I just don't understand. If I could wrap my brain around it, I think I'd be okay. You understand? Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't, doesn't make any freaking sense at all. It's just, just doesn't, it, you know, a good friend of mine's a, a prominent lawyer here. I called him and I was like, Ralph, uh, Whalen is his last name. I'm like, Ralph, he goes, all right, dude, remember what a reasonable person would believe. I'm like, okay. Uh, you know, he goes, what's not reasonable about this? There's nothing reasonable about this. Like I said, the only thing I can think of is... But, I mean, you guys deal with domestics. If somebody was going to pick up and leave, they'd take their shit, right? Or something. Mr. Justin, we, we are not going to what if this and... Uh, yeah, uh, I could do this. And, it's my nerves. And say, well, if someone did this, yeah, then well, this happened, knows, or... Because we're, we're, know, we're not going to do that. Okay, that's, that's nervous, not going to happen. Can you get your ID and her ID, please? Justin grabs his wallet from his back pocket and hands over his ID. He then walks past their unmade bed to the other side of the bedroom to pick up her wallet from the floor and again makes mention that all her medications were there as he hands over her ID, which, to clarify, is not a driver's license. It's a Louisiana state ID with her name listed as Jessica Easterly, her maiden name. The officers ask Justin for his phone number, and he gives the same one he gave the first unit who came out for the wellness check. The number he claimed he'd been using since his phone was broken, supposedly having fallen off his motorcycle. Just a note here, while he states the phone number belongs to Jessica, her friends and family, on the other hand, have it saved as Justin's number in their phones and have a different number saved as Jessica's. But regardless, It's the phone number he'd claimed he'd been using as of late. And this bit of information will be important as the story develops. Back at the Durnings' home, officers ask for a photo of Jessica, a physical one. But Justin claims he doesn't have one that's not electronic. So instead, he shows them a screenshot of Jessica on the tablet and says he will email it to them. As the conversation continues, Justin tells the officers that he has called local hospitals as well as the sheriff's office looking for Jessica. Officer Gantner asks once more if there was any arguing or fighting before Jessica went missing. And Justin goes on to tell her that same story regarding the pizza and the nap he took. But this time, a slightly different version. And you said when you spoke to her around 12.30, there were no, there was no arguing or anything like that. She didn't say, hey, I'm going to go 
she didn't tell me she was leaving at all. She said, you look tired. I said, I am. She went and made some little pizza, uh, uh, what do you call it, damn things? The little things. Pizza rolls. Yeah, horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, pizza, yeah, I guess, the, the frozen ones. Mm -hmm. She went and made those. We ate, you know, just kind of in here. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, as far as I know, she was just going to do some work on the computer, and, and that was it. Okay. Um, you know, and then Justin tells the officer something he hadn't told them yet. And she had been mentioning that she had been kind of in a depressive cycle mm -hmm. and kind of couldn't get over it. I'm like, baby, we spent 13000 We wiped out our savings account putting our kid in. Mm -hmm. I was like, baby, just, you know, we just need to communicate and talk. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one of her things. She keeps everything inside. I don't, okay. want, I don't want to be sexist, but women tend to do that, you know, at least to me, let me put it that way. And then give it all to me at one time. Mm -hmm. and versus where, I, as soon as I'm feeling something, I'm like, we need to talk about this mm -hmm. because, you know. Anyway, oh man, I'm sorry if I'm all like, like sketchy. I, I'm a nervous wreck. At this point, the officers head back to their vehicle to call in the missing persons report and write up all the information they'd obtained from Justin. Just before getting in, Officer Kintner makes an interesting comment to Officer Griffin. I've lived here for three years now and I've never seen her, but I see him all the time. Once inside the vehicle, Gantner calls her superior, Sergeant James Young. It's actually my neighbor. They live three houses away from me. Yeah, he's a strange individual. She takes a few minutes to get her sergeant up to speed on things and then offers a little bit of insight. Well, that's what I told Griffin. I've lived here for three years now and I see him outside all the time, but I never, I have never seen this woman, ever. I've always wondered where his wife is because I, um, I knew that he was married, but I've never seen her. I mean, to me, it's just like something's not right here. And I don't think that she would just leave her daughter because her daughter just got out of the hospital. Her daughter was in the hospital for three days. He is just explaining himself to death. Didn't you get that feeling? Yeah, he's oh, like he, overly he, explaining he was himself. Like, I'm sorry if I seem shitty. Yeah, and he said, I'm sorry if I seem sketchy. This is just all weird to me. And he's just like over explaining everything. So. And it got to the point when he was talking to the friend through Facebook Messenger, she just stopped messaging him. The one thing that was weird is he told the friend, I contacted the police and the police said that I can't report her missing for 24 hours, which is bullshit. We would never tell anybody that. And, and the dispatcher's not, or the call taker's not going to tell somebody that. The whole thing is just like something's not right because the whole thing is very sketchy, to use his word. And it kind of makes me a little uneasy because he lives three houses away from me. But anyway, let me help him with this. I just wanted to let you know, because it does seem very unusual to me. His story sounds rehearsed. As the officers wrap up the call and finish their paperwork, they start a search for any calls or complaints filed from the address specifically looking for any domestic calls. Spell her last name, it's E-A-S-T-E-E-A-S-T-E-R-L-Y. Okay. Can, can you put an address in the EPR? 
The search doesn't come back with anything. And through our own public records request, it appears as though Jessica had never reached out to law enforcement. They probably don't call the police when they have issues. A lot of people don't, you know? Well, especially out here. Yeah. The officers exit the vehicle and return to Justin to wrap things up. I said I want to walk through the entire house. <sighs> the dog's still out? Okay. We have to fill out a uh, missing person affidavit with you anytime there's somebody missing, and then this is what we send to. Justin reads over the report and then signs the affidavit. After doing so, the officers ask for some clarification one last time. You did talk to your daughter and ask your daughter if she'd heard from her or Absolutely. seen her. I'd or, her. Okay. I mean, I'd rather not wake up, but if you want me to get her, I will. No, I don't have to wake her up. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. She has to go to school tomorrow. She does. But no, she and I, right before you guys actually showed up, right after the first two showed up, um, I went in there and asked her, so did you see the commotion outside? She's like, no, what commotion? Okay. But prior to that, did you ask her if she had seen her mom? Yeah, yeah, okay. of course. I mean, I was like, okay. did you see mom? She's like, no, and I didn't make a big deal out of it because uh, it wasn't a big deal just yet. You know what I mean? And you said she just had jeans and a t-shirt on. You don't remember, like, what color t-shirt, or did she have shoes on? Do you know what kind of shoes? I mean, we were laying in bed eating pizza rolls. So, okay. So, I mean, that's what she had on when she okay. was there, you know, when, and I checked. He doesn't finish that thought, but it's what he said just before that that stood out to Todd me. Earlier, he told officers that he alone went to bed, and when he woke up, he found a pizza that Jessica had made in the kitchen, and Jessica was gone. This time, he claims they were in bed together eating pizza rolls. Possibly just a slip-up, but still, Interesting, nonetheless. Now, being that you live so close to me, I just want to let you know, if something happens, don't come knocking on my door, all right? Call 911, or there's gonna be a detective contact you, contact the third district and speak to the detective, but just don't come knocking on my door, yeah. Okay, I just, I just wanna make that clear, okay? The officers leave the house with the report and signed affidavit in hand start heading back to their cruiser. Justin follows them out and tells the officers the same thing he told the other officers who came out for the wellness check about his aspirations for joining the force. Here I am looking at JPSO. And I, I just, I'm home too much. And, mm-hmm. and it just, my kid even tells me like, Dad, you know, I'm like, well, I just don't know if I could do the domestic What are you looking for? You know, John Kelly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he and I are really good friends with people. I tell people. My best friend really is black. Of course, nobody believes that. But um, he, I called him, and he was like, well, let's go recon, see what we can do. I'm like, man, I got to stay here and see what's going on. But at any rate, it, it, you know, he tends to know a lot of people, and I walk past your house constantly. Uh-huh. Just going to meet him, because he's got the, the, I can't say little pit bull, that's a shocking. Eventually, Officer Gantner reels him back in. He's actually the armorer for NCIS in New Orleans. Okay. He came over here and asked me how to um, 
completely field stripped of an AR-15. I'm like, you don't remember. That's um the item number okay. for the report. Okay. Thanks. And um, a detective. I mean, if like there's anybody that you can call that might know where she is, or you know, that's the only thing I can tell you. Or if you know where, she, you know, a place she might go to or something, if you want to go look, or if you can tell us and we'll go look. If, if I, I'd be more than happy if I knew, but I mean, like I said, the one place that she goes is to bed. She mm -hmm. has fibromyalgia and she's mm -hmm. depressed bipolar, so she doesn't have a great, you know, her right. health isn't great. So, right. Uh, anyway, I know you guys. And then if she, if she contacts you or comes home, let us know. Yeah, call 911 so Call third district or call nine one one. Okay, yeah. Okay. All right. All right, and reference that item number when you call. Okay. All right. That's okay. I mean, I'm not asking for parental advice. Even I'm asking for what should I tell my kid? I mean, the truth. Yeah, tell her you had to make a missing person report that I you haven't seen her, her since 1230. Right before she went yeah. to bed, I told her that's what I was doing. So. I mean, that's your kid. You can tell her whatever you want, but no, I mean, I would I would be honest with her. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. All right. Thank you. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Following the visit, Jessica's missing persons bulletin is issued within the NOPD. Jessica Renee Easterly, 5'6", 130 pounds, brown hair, brown eyes, Celtic tattoo on groin. The missing persons report and affidavit reads, Mr. Justin Durning stated his wife, Miss Jessica Easterly, was last seen on Wednesday, August 14th, 2019, at approximately 12.30 p.m. Mr. Durning stated that she was last seen wearing a t-shirt and jeans. If Miss Jessica Easterly is found, please notify 3rd District DIU. Upon arrival, the officers met with the reporting person, Mr. Justin Durning, who stated the following. Miss Jessica Easterly was last seen on Wednesday, August 14, 2019, at approximately 1 p.m. before Mr. Justin went to bed. Mr. Justin woke up from sleeping on the same day at approximately 3 p.m. to find his wife missing. Mr. Durning observed Miss Easterly's purse, wallet, phone, and keys left at the residence. Mr. Durning did not observe any missing items from their home. The household's only vehicle was still in the driveway. He observed no changes to her social media. Mr. Durning stated that his wife suffers from bipolar and depression. Her medicine was left at the residence. Mr. Durning contacted local hospitals and jails about his wife's whereabouts, but was met with negative results. It should be noted that a wellness check was requested by one of Easterly's friends earlier that day. Officer Gantner called Easterly, but no one picked up on the line. Officer Gantner notified 3rd District Person Crimes Detective A. Lunn, Unit 1335. And with that, 
Detective Anthony Lunn is officially assigned to the case. 600,000 people go missing every year in the U.S., according to the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, known as NamUs. As I write this, in Louisiana, there are 416 open missing persons cases, and in New Orleans, there are 35 missing persons in the NamUs database. Now, Jessica had become one of them, but she's obviously more than a statistic. She's a friend a sister, a daughter, a wife, a stepmother. Though right now, what mattered was she was missing and hope was fading fast. Then the next day, I was actually with my girlfriend that lives here and she was like, so what's going on with that? And so I was kind of bringing her up to speed on it and I was like, I don't know what to do. She was like, are you going to feel bad if something terrible has happened to her? I was like, yeah, of course, I'm going to feel bad forever. There was a part of me that really wanted to believe she just had someone else because she was very concerned that if she did come stay with me, he would just be right behind her. He would know exactly where to find her. I was holding out some hope that she was okay, but I didn't feel like she was okay. While Maria was not feeling too hopeful about the situation, What's really sad is that at the time, Jessica's family wasn't even aware of her disappearance. Amidst all the chaos, they were never informed. Maria wasn't in contact with the family back then. It would have required Justin or the police saying something. That didn't happen. But just two days later, they'd learn the news in a rather unconventional way. It was Saturday, August 17th, on what would normally be a very special day. Jessica's sister, Audrey, calls her to wish her happy 43rd birthday. Her call goes unanswered. Then, the next day, Audrey pulls up Jessica's Facebook page and sees a post that stops her cold. I've always talked to my sister on her birthday, but that day I just thought she was out. Then on the 18th, when I got home from work, I seen Maria, we have mutual friends, I seen Maria's post about Jessica missing. And I was like, holy shit. So I, of course, tried to contact Maria. She was already asleep and she called me the next morning and told me everything. And then I called my sister and I called my parents. They're like, oh, no, she's fine. Maybe they had a fight. She went over to a friend's house. Maria, still clinging to that last bit of hope, also tried reaching out to Jessica on her birthday. I was like, okay, she would not let me wonder if she's alive or dead on her birthday. Like, by now, she would have reached out and let me know, hey, I'm safe, leave me alone. I'm just going to stay safe for a while. And I've been like, cool, run Bambi, run. You know, you need some money. Like, what do you need? But she wouldn't have let me wonder that long. That Sunday afternoon on August 18th, Maria calls NOPD multiple times and struggles to get anywhere, talking with person after person, seemingly 
No one can tell her anything. And then, finally, a detective reaches back out to her. She gives him a rundown of what had happened a few days before. And so they were like, okay, well, we'll go over there and we'll check on her. Chances are she's probably home now and she's just not allowed to talk to you because you're the friend and if she's in this relationship like you say she is, you're probably just cut off because she tried to leave. So she's probably home now. Everything's probably fine. Super dismissive. I was like, she's not fine. And she would let me know if she was fine and she certainly just wouldn't be fucking home and fine and let me worry about her, especially not when I'm putting her on blast is missing all over social media. And so they went over there and they knocked on the door and they were like, well, I guess he's not home. But he was like sending me hostile texts about sending the police to his house. I was like, that's funny that you think he's not home because he's texting me about y'all being there right fucking now. They're just like, sorry, can't make anything happen. Amidst all the frustration and uncertainty, Maria, Audrey, and the rest of Jessica's family did their best to remain steadfast. I, of course, still had that little bit of hope, you know, like, maybe she's just, she's just somewhere. And then we decided to call the hospitals and stuff, um, domestic violence shelters, jails, the coroner, the morgue. Um, and no one, she wasn't there. Days of confusion turn into a week of sleepless nights. That's when Jessica's family took matters into their own hands. Her sisters, Audrey and Amanda, decided it was time to pay a visit to New Orleans, a visit that would end up taking them to the neighborhood of Lakeview, where Jessica was last seen their cousin Doug made the trek with them. I was talking to Amanda on the phone and she was kind of filling me in about the whole thing with with Jessica. I mean, something's not right here. And she had discussed going down to New Orleans, talking to Project NOLA and talking with the detectives down there. And we went to the detectives to go talk with them and they they weren't there, so we... We had decided to kind of do our own little thing and kind of canvas the area a little bit, kind of get an idea, kind of get a feeling for it. And it's a a very big residential area. And at the end of both sides of of this huge residential area were water. You try to apply logic to it. Okay, well, this would be a good place to, to form a search party. Let's get a little more familiar with it. You never expect to actually find anything. You really don't. Undetermined is a production of Resonate Recordings and Tenderfoot TV in conjunction with Cadence 13, written and hosted by me, Jessica Knoll, and produced by Dennis Cooper and Todd McComas, with additional production by Whitney Bozarth. Executive producers are Dennis Cooper, Mark Minnery, Jacob Bozarth, 
Donald Albright, and Payne Lindsay. Our senior producer is John Street. Editing, mixing, mastering, and sound design by Caleb Melcher, Dayton Cole, and Pat Kicklider of the Resonate Recordings team. If you have a podcast or are looking to start one, check us out at resonaterecordings.com. Our theme song and original score is by Dirt Poor Robbins, with additional scoring by Dayton Cole. Additional score for this episode by Andy Walker. Our cover art is by Station 16. Voice acting by Sabrina Seward, Whitney Bozart, and Paul Freels. You can follow Undetermined Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter at Undetermined Pod. Show notes as well as bonus content can be found on our website, undeterminedpod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please take time to subscribe, rate, and review. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. And finally, if you have any information about this case, call Crime Stoppers at one 877-903-7867. The tone and inflection used by voice actors is not contextually accurate and is a matter of creative interpretation.